You're locked on to The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 975-1280 the zone. Gordon, I just broke my headphones. What happened? Because I don't know. this is ha- you've broken one previous headphones before. Well, these it's the same headphones. I, I taped them back together and uh, we just had another problem. So these are done. You know what? All right, nobody cares. I've got new I've got yeah. new uh, the now I'm using the raggedy studio headphones. That uh, are not as nice. So you're not going to sound as good in my head, Gordon. Sorry to disappoint you. Uh, well, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. We all break those things at one time or another, don't we? I remember when I was, uh, you guys were giving me a hard time about buying those high-quality headphones at the airport. Yeah, I do remember. I, I broke those and supposed that they, they were under warranty, but I... It was such a hassle. I didn't. Uh, I didn't send them off, so they they have gone into the trash bin somewhere. I still can't believe you bought headphones at the airport. I was on my way. I was on a vaca- I was heading out on a vacation, and I didn't have any headphones with me. So I decided, well, I can use these for the show, and they're really high quality. I like them, and and uh, less than a year, they were broken. Yeah, it just seems oh, like the, the most expensive place possible to buy nice headphones. I asked the guy, and he said they were the same price there that they were in everywhere else. You don't think he was lying to me, do you? I don't know. Let's just say if I were to go up to, uh, you know, and buy a beer at the restaurant or at the, at the airport, <laughs> and, and as I'm handing over my $12, I don't, you know, the bartender can say, well, it's this much around town. It, everything's more expensive at the airport, right? Uh, well, uh, that was not uh, the smartest purchase for me. I should wow. have just gotten some cheap ones and and then uh, uh, used them for a little while and then then done it a little differently. Frankly, but, I, we live, break them so more. often we we should always buy the cheap ones. But anywho, nobody we are cares. Rough on that. Yeah, no, we are rough on the headphones, man. We are, you know. I just I, I saw I I saw a co-host once throw his headphones against the producer's glass. Uh, just, um, you know, I probably had five or six or seven pair during my time. Anyway, well, anyway it's always I just, good to hear your voice. I don't care what other kind of headphones. I'm I just wearing. broke the ear right off of my headphones, so that's nice. All right, so, um, Gordon, you wanted to bring this up. You teased it at, uh, at the beginning of the show, and I'll let you kind of set this thing up, but Martellus Bennett went on kind of a Twitter rant on Tuesday night. He did. Uh, He was uh, (laughs) talking about his post-football playing life. And uh, I'll read some of these, and I want to get your reaction to them. I have to be careful reading them because they, some of the stuff you can't say on the radio, Jake. Yeah, be careful, please. Yeah. But he said, this is part of what he, he tweeted out. He said, honest. Honestly, football made me such an angry person. Everything bothered me. Football is interesting. Psychologically, it's some really dangerous beep. To really play the game of football, you have to 
have some beat up wiring in your head. And then he said, it's chaotic. It takes years and years of brainwashing to go along with a lot of that beep. Uh, LOL. It starts at peewee. That's why you got to watch who is coaching your kids and what they're teaching them beyond the game. He said, we were groomed from a young age to care a little less about humans. If you're the backup and the man in front of you goes down, you kind of get excited but feel bad at the same time. Ha ha, bleeps crazy. Most of these coaches aren't good men. Most of them are egotistical, uh, blank, blank. Uh, They love the spotlight. (laughs) They, They love the spotlight just as much as the players. And they be dumb, too. Most of your favorite players aren't good people. Ha, ha, ha. It's, uh, it, but then he adds later on, he says, there are some good dudes, though. And he talks about a few of those. Um, so anyway, I, I, I thought it was, it was interesting. Oh, he also said another thing that be happening is most guys don't know how to make money. Making money is hard. Once your, bo- once your body breaks down, that money machine is gone. And unfortunately, the spare parts in the mind that don't break, break are so rusty, you get discouraged when you try to use them. Uh, the other thing that happens is questioning if it was all worth it. When you struggle lifting up your kid or your mind doesn't work right, you go broke. You begin questioning if it was all worth it. And more times than not, most would say no when truly being honest. Uh, I don't know how much this you want me to read, but that's that's some pretty heavy stuff in there, Jake. Well, some really uh, heavy stuff. Think? I mean, he, he goes on to talk about how it's difficult to transfer uh, out of football and explore that next phase of your career. Guys aren't necessarily pay, you know, uh, prepared financially. He talked about no longer being famous and uh, and the adjustment that, uh, that comes with that. I mean, this really is a, a dark rant i mean he went on for a for a long time um and and i and we're talking about a, we're talking about a tight end who played for what five different teams or something in right. the nfl so he, he'd been around a little bit and this was his opinion now i i thought it was whether it's true or not uh, in his case that's the way he interpreted what happened in his frame of reference uh, may not always be the case, but it, sometimes it is, and it's sometimes it's good to, to take a good hard look at, at, at what uh, what it is. I think okay, so I think a lot of this stuff that he's talking about is it can be true, but I also think that there needs to be some some personal accountability when it comes to things like if, if you're having anger issues, did football make that? You know, is that because of football or did football? highlight that part of your personality i'll I'll tell you this i i don't think you know little leaguers are brainwashed um i do i do agree with his point that uh that you know watch who your kids are coached by and pay attention to what's uh, you know being taught to them i encountered uh, good coaches and bad coaches in my uh, uh uh in my you know athletic career as a kid that certainly was a, a very real thing um I, I totally believe that there are a lot of not necessarily good humans as athletes. You know, they're not succeeding in life because they're good humans. They're succeeding in life because of their athletic prowess. And there's probably a wide range of uh, 
types of human beings that make their way to professional sports. And I, I've seen, uh, you know, coaches that uh, are egotistical. I mean, that is that is a very real thing, and that can lead to some uh, bad behavior. But I, I don't know if I'm going to follow him down the road that it's all football's fault. Like, there are some, some really – uh, serious issues that he talks about that go along with, you know, some personal accountability and also some things that you can say about other walks of life. So um, I don't know, Gordon. Yeah, it, I was I was fascinated to read through what he was saying because this is a perspective of a former football player, but I don't know. I, you know, I was... Uh, when he says, Jake, Jake, when he says most of these coaches aren't good men, most of them are egotistical, blank, blank, they love the spotlight, blah, blah, blah. Most of your favorite players aren't good people. Uh, it's, I, I don't know about the word most, you know. I, I, don't, I don't think most players are a certain way. Some are that way. I've seen coaches just absolutely go crazy at times. And the, when I watch it, I, I sit there and I think, how? I understand that you're the general in charge here. I understand that you want things done right, and I understand that players sometimes make mistakes that are costly to the team. And I understand also that they've been coached and taught not to do that, and you're angry in that moment. But when I see the way some coaches react, it, it, it's like you wouldn't you wouldn't talk that way to a can of trash. And I. If people nowadays think that kids are softer, and by kids, I, I mean whatever level they play at, they're soft, that they can't take that, and all, I, say, I think that's just BS. I, I, I have just seen coach, some coaches, some, use language and use terminology that is so dehumanizing that it, it's, it's beyond belief. And, and I don't think kids nowadays are – are softer they that maybe they've we've come to a point where they're demanding that you treat them with more respect and there's room for that you can still be a disciplinarian without being a crazy coach who, who just loses all control i've always found that fascinating when coaches uh, demand such discipline out of their players but they themselves don't require it of themselves and i so i think it's a good move for coaches to be a little more <laughs> to treat their players with respect as opposed to just screaming their guts out at them. See, that's a funny thing. And, and I don't necessarily disagree with you, but uh, different athletes react different ways. And the idea is that you want to get the most physically out of somebody, out of a player. You want to get them to go beyond their comfort zone and be able to do more, the extreme, the most that they possibly can. Right. And I think different athletes are motivated in different ways. Talk to Hans. He liked his coaches that would uh, that would cuss him out and and be on his case. He said he responded really well, not, well to not, that. So I'm I mean, not it, saying it, that I, there's not, uh, Jake. I'm not saying there's never a time to get angry. I mean, I, I I get that. But when that's your norm and that's the way you problem solve on a regular basis, you're heading down a road that could be abusive. Look, you know, I I don't disagree. Um, and I do think there are plenty of coaches that absolutely take it too far. I mean, we see dozens of stories of that per year, unfortunately. And it's this this delicate thing because it's it's not, you know, um, how do I uh, how do I get the the uh, you know, how do I learn to type 90 words a minute or whatever is good? <laughs> you know, it's it, there's millions of dollars on the line 
and uh, for for the coaches and for the players, uh, even at the collegiate level, there's obviously millions of dollars on the line for the coaches, but the the players want the opportunity to get a crack at those millions of dollars. So it's a high pressure environment, and it's it's not dealing with normal normal human life. It's dealing with athletics. I mean, Gordon, what how, think, how many Paul? times uh, in a year are you uh, demanded to be at your best physically? You know. Right, is right. your is your uh, career on the line because you have to go out and do 200 push-ups in a row? You know, it's a different type of motivation. Well, so we've been talking about the coaches getting after the players, and I'm saying those players deserve some respect. But in some cases, he also addresses that the players themselves are aren't quote unquote aren't good people. I don't know what he means by that exactly, but do you believe that when a kid shows some ability athletically that he from that point on is treated different than kids who aren't don't have that kind of ability 100 percent, absolutely and and okay so let's say there's a high school athlete that or it starts in the junior leagues let's say and then he goes into high school and he's a star we've been talking about these guys have been recruited and signed today okay so you're showing some great prowess and promise and next thing you know, you go to the, the, the college level, and now you put yourself in a position to go to the league. And now you're something extra special, right? And you've been treated that way on the whole by people. And then you go to the professional level, and now you're really treated that way, and you're being people are buying, <laughs> they're buying Maseratis for you and whatnot. Uh, does that somehow twist, or can it sometimes twist the mind of 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 young adults yes 100 percent. not only can can it but it 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 will i mean it it absolutely that's why i have so much respect when i hear an athlete say when i said to donovan mitchell in his rookie season is this going to change your behavior are you going to turn into a jerk and he said what do you say jake you remember uh, his mom would my, kill him. Yeah. My mom would kill him and kill me if I did that. And that's all I had to hear. I said, this, this kid was brought up with a certain perspective and his, his parents did a good job with that. And that, that is such a, such a advantage for him to have because some don't and some do get full of themselves and some do get to a point where they think they're extraordinary in every way and should be treated such. And and others shouldn't be because they're not them. Speaking of extraordinary in every single way, our good friend Mike from Many Hour Services uh, jumping on with us <laughs> was, once again. Was, are you saying that Mike was spoiled as a child and uh, because he was extraordinary? No, in every he's way? just extraordinary in every way. I'm leaving it at that. I can I can tell you I was not spoiled as a child. I was beaten <laughs> as a child. I grew up in that era. <laughs> Ooh. Well, hey, All right. don't want to keeps you in line, I suppose. I was. Well, I was, we hear you know we hear you get you do find that you do feel a certain way about your abilities as a pickleball player. We've heard some of those stories. Look, it's been a long time since that has been shared, and I'm sure no one knows what you're talking about. And I would appreciate you not, you know, digging up dirt from the past. No one, no one wants to hear about that. The, no one needs to hear about that. I'll tell you what, the pickleball incident. I guess I'm still being abused. Never mind. A, I, a little bit. <laughs> the pickleball incident was classic radio. I mean, it, it was one of the great moments in sports radio history. That is true. 
<laughs> I had a bad one yesterday. I'll tell you about it off the air. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. I Go ahead. Let's those, review I that. One that? Those, tell Mike I had about, one of those moments. No, I'll we're, tell we're, Mike about that. We, I will. We're going to do that off the air. Uh, all right. We're here to talk uh, about if our you, – you like that, Gordon? He has the ability as the host to not talk about his issues on the air, but then I'm the guest that comes in the studio, and he's like, Mike, I, I hear this happened. Uh-huh. That, well, it's See, luxury. It's sad. It's sad. No, see, that's the thing. Jake was brought up a certain way, and I know his parents, and they're really good people. But I, I, they must have had some slippage at times because then he got the th- feeling he was extraordinary and didn't have to live by the rules. Trust me, after yesterday, I'm not extraordinary. Not not even close. Uh, all right, if our furnace, let's say our furnace stops working. All right, let's say it. We're, I'm pretty sure we're the only three people that know what we're talking about yes. by now. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> well, right. I'm entertained. <laughs> if our furnace conks out, what can we do, Mike? Uh, okay, so before you, uh, you know, call someone, uh, the first thing you want to do is go down to wherever your furnace is. There's usually a, a little like peephole window, uh, if it has uh, stopped working, a lot of times it has on the circuit board a an error code that it'll throw to try and give you some help uh, diagnosing. And so the first thing you want to do is actually write that down because if the steps that you go through uh, don't fix it or they do ha- happen to fix it, you're probably going to clear the error code and you need to give that to the technician. First thing you want to do is shut the power off on the furnace. Then you want to go and uh, check the filter, change it if it's dirty, uh, go to the thermostat and actually replace the batteries. Pull it off the wall if your thermostat has batteries replace those and then go back and turn the, the the furnace back on and see if it starts creating heat so uh what if i you know hit it with a hammer and mm-hmm. uh, all of a sudden it starts magically working again did i fix it well well okay first off if you hit it with a hammer and it starts working you probably have a short somewhere okay. and you just right. bang some electrical wires back together okay. but uh but Good if you go know. through and you do those types of things um maybe you fixed it maybe you didn't uh with the steps that i gave i have no idea about the hammer but like at the steps that i gave you it's possible that the batteries or the filter uh were just the issue and, and you did actually fix it but if it's something more serious chances are it's going to repeat the problem and the heat's going to go out again and you're probably going to want to have somebody come out and take a look at it uh well i was just giving you my method with the hammer i'm a very sure. simple person i'm not an expert like gordon who can really get his get his hands dirty you know well gordon has the, the difference is i think gordon would probably say some people they'll hit it with the hammer with me i know where to hit it with the hammer <laughs> yeah <laughs> see that makes all the difference in the world for sure all right so would this be a good thing to schedule the tune-up for then? uh yeah especially if your furnace is uh getting older or starting to act up uh like i mentioned earlier one of the benefits of a tune-up is to identify some of those issues and if your furnace is going out intermittently it could be because one of those uh parts are starting to fatigue and sometimes it's working and sometimes it's not on a cold night your furnace is running longer you're trying to ask it to create more heat as far as the difference between the temperature outside and the temperature in the house and so that can add some extra strain on those parts and so when we go through and we do our 34 point tune-up there's a lot of different things in the furnace that have to work in a specific order and have to work together in order for your furnace to make heat. And so we go through and we systematically check those things. And there are specifications that the manufacturers say, hey, this flame sensor needs to have, you know, operate within this range and things like that. So we document all of our findings and we educate you on the condition of the system. And, uh, you know, 
normally we charge $99 to do this. It's well worth it at that. But tonight, Zone listeners can call in and lock in a $70 savings and get this done for only $29. You can schedule it for whenever's most convenient for you if you want to do it a couple weeks from now. But if you want to get this price, you need to call in tonight and lock in that savings. Save $70. You heard Mike right. $70. Amazing. $99 value, only $29. And you're extending the life of your furnace at the same time. Absolutely. Saving money all over the place. But you got to get on the books tonight. So call 801-443-7400. Got to do it before 6 o'clock. 801-443-7400. Any hour services. Save $70 on a 34-point furnace tune-up. $99 value, only $29. 801-443-7400. Thank you, Mike. You're welcome. Matt Williamson, our good friend, talking NFL, coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to our friend Matt Williamson coming up here uh, momentarily. Gordon, he's our NFL insider. We've had a lot of fun having him on this year. Uh, You can follow his work at the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And, uh, yeah, we'll get a little Super Bowl uh, convo going on with uh, with Matt. We'll get his thoughts on... uh, on uh, who he thinks co- is coming out on top. You know, Gordon, underrated storyline of this uh, this Super Bowl, in my opinion, is that uh, the Chiefs are going to be missing both of their starting tackles, including Fisher, who's uh, who's a legend. I think he's a Chippewa, yes. right? Central Michigan Chippewa? Yeah. Uh, with so. an Achilles injury, which is just terrible. Uh, but he is awesome. He is really, really good. And Tampa Bay's front four... Those, that's their that's their wheelhouse. That's the strength of the of the Buccaneers. Their secondary stinks, but their defensive line is is really really good. So that might be kind yep. of a, an underrated factor. Maybe a, kind of a little bit of an equalizer in this one. Just one more thing to factor in before you make your pick, right? Oh, I know what and my uh, pick's going to be, and so do you. It's all right. Let's we don't no, need to no, do no, this no, pretending. You take thing. your time. Take your time and uh, consider every aspect of what's going on. But yeah, this I'm I'm excited for the Super Bowl. I know you've sort of been downplaying it, but I'm looking forward to it. I I think it's extremely interesting to watch these two great quarterbacks go at it, and uh, you know it's this freaking Super Bowl. I can everyone's excited about that. All right, let's get out to the zone phone as I mentioned. Check it out. Uh, he's co-host of the Peacock and Williamson podcast. He's our good friend Matt Williamson. What's going on, Matt? How are you? I'm great. How are you guys? We're terrific. Do you uh, do you share Gordon's enthusiasm for this matchup? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's obviously the, you know the best quarterback in history versus the best quarterback now that's kind of on a similar, unbelievable career path. Two very interesting head coaches that have been around the block and won a lot of games. The uh, even the assistant coaching staffs, I think, are littered with names and interesting guys and scheme and all that and a lot of star power at skill positions and a couple defenders that are really interesting playmakers. Yeah, I think it's a great matchup. So a lot of people are predicting this will be a high-scoring game. What do you think, Pat? I absolutely think so, but to kind of bring it to X's and O's a little bit, one thing we've seen a lot from Tampa, especially with Antonio Brown being questionable and or sidelined the last couple weeks, is they use a lot of 12 personnel 
with one back, two tight ends, two receivers. Gronkowski is kind of the blocking tight end, and Brait is the more receiving tight end of the two at this point of their careers. And I think they might do a lot of that still. And why I'm going with this is I think Kansas City will play their nickel against that. You know, most teams will play their base, their 3-4, their 4-3. I think Kansas City will play nickel against that. And if I'm right about that, I think Tampa will run the ball a lot and try to shorten the game and take a lot of time off the play clock before they snap the ball. And frankly, I think that's exactly what Kansas City will want. I think both teams will be very happy doing that. But in the end, that doesn't get you to 35 points, and that's what you need to beat the Chiefs. How big a deal is it, Matt, that the Chiefs are going to be without their two starting tackles? To me, that's the biggest advantage in Tampa's favor is just their D-line, which is now healthier than ever. I mean, Vita Vea is a really good player on the inside, too. They, you know, they traded for McClendon. Pierre Paul and Shaq Griffin are playing great, or Shaq, um, Shaq Barrett are playing great. Sue's a force as well against that front five that's basically all replacement-level guys. I mean, they're all backups. So I think it affects the Chiefs less than most teams, a lot of because of Mahomes' elusiveness and their play designs and whatnot. But, boy, I mean, just on paper, that's a huge advantage for Tampa Bay. So you've just covered some of it. But if if I were to say to you, Matt, if you were to get to give the advantage to Kansas City, what are the what are two or three of the biggest factors? And if you were giving the advantage to Tampa, what would be uh, the biggest factor? The two things I mentioned for Tampa, I mean, I think they'll be able to run the ball on Kansas City if that's what they choose to do out of heavier personnel. Certainly their their defensive line against Kansas City's offensive line. I would say all the other advantages go to Kansas City, though. I mean, Chris Jones, to me, is probably the best interior D lineman not named Aaron Donald. And with his length and explosiveness, that's exactly the remedy to kind of deal with Tom Brady, get that interior pressure and disrupt his throwing lanes. I think he's a crucial component. Um, you know, I also look at this Chiefs defense, and they're going to be really aggressive. And that's how Spagnolo is. He realizes his offense will bail him out if he calls a blitz and gets beat over the top, that Mahomes will probably get it back for him. But even if you look at the Chiefs' you know, production they allow when, when they're on defense, they've been really stout all year against wide receivers, but tight ends and running backs can hurt them bad in the passing game. Well, you know, Gronk ain't what he used to be, and Brady doesn't have his James White out of the backfield. I mean, Fournette's okay. But that's not really where the, the Bucks want to go with the football. They want to go to their receivers, who are stars. And I think the Chiefs can do a decent job of you know, at least combating that. Matt, how many other um, big-name quarterbacks will be traded this offseason and who? Man, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the tweet that Adam Schefter put out a week or so ago. But he said as many as 18 teams could have new quarterbacks. Wow. and. I immediately thought, wow, 18, there's only 32 teams. And these two teams in Buffalo and Baltimore, and you can start going on a list of ones you know will not. But we already have two, and the season's not over yet. I mean, one trade made two of those right. Um, some names I think I, that will probably be on the move, Darnold, 
I think Derek Carr has a really good – I mean, this is close to you guys. I think Derek Carr has a really good chance to go elsewhere, and maybe that's a topic all in itself. Okay, so let me ask you to interject some uh, some some opinion here. Of the yeah. quarterbacks that you think are going to move, Matt, how would you rank them as far as ability and all, all the all the elements of that? Well, Stafford falling, I think, it leaves a big gap because Watson, of course, stands alone as the prize. So I think he's going to go, I'm going to say, 50% chance because, I mean, I think this new coaching staff was brought in to soothe things over with Watson and maybe cooler heads prevail and they run it back. And so him aside, well, Dak Prescott is next for sure, but I don't think he gets out of Dallas. Uh, That one would really shock me if he moves. So maybe Carr's next on the list. You know, I mean, I like Sam Darnold a lot. Uh, I still have a lot of faith in Wentz, but I don't think Wentz is going to move. I think Sam Darnold probably will, but, you can't count on him and say, boy, he's definitely our opening day starter or, you know, uh, clearly, you know, out of the woods yet in terms of his career. I would say Carr is probably next. And what's interesting, though, is if you look at teams that aren't picking super high and can't get in the Watson sweepstakes, and three of those really come to mind, Washington, New England, and Chicago, and actually Indianapolis, too. All of a sudden, you know, I'm not sure there's enough quarterbacks to fix those seats. You know, I mean, where are they all going to end up? I mean, if it's like Stafford going to the Rams, maybe the biggest loser in that is a team like the Colts. Well, Matt, thank you for jumping on with us, uh, talking a little Super Bowl, and a little NFL football. We always appreciate it. Yeah, it was a good time as always. Take care, guys. Thanks, Matt. That's our friend Matt Williamson again. Uh, make sure you check out his podcast, uh, co-host of the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Speaking of Locked On, David Locke will join us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, eager to talk to David about what's going on uh, with this jazz basketball team. I've got a question to ask you, Jake, that I was going to ask Matt, but I didn't get to it. Which team do you think has the advantage as far as brain power goes. I mean, Andy Reid, I would give the, the Chiefs the coaching advantage, but then you've got Tom Brady over on the other side as well. Do, do those two things counterbalance each other? What do you, what do you think about oh, that? Oh, I don't, I don't know. It's so tough to judge some of those things because we've seen coaches make, like good coaches make big-time mistakes, right? So, <laughs> I, I mean, nobody, uh, nobody certainly is immune from it. I mean, even look wait, at it. Wait, 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 wait. You mean so that – when Pete Carroll didn't give the ball to Marshawn Lynch on the one-yard line, that might have been a mistake. Right, right, yeah. That uh, obviously immediately comes to mind. Or, you know, uh, Shanahan not running the ball for the Falcons against the Patriots. But, I mean, think about uh, Andy Reid in his most genius moment of these playoffs where they uh, they won the game by passing on, uh, on fourth down, right? And it, just think if that would have gone the other way. I mean, we'd be talking about what a moron Andy Reid is, you know? So sometimes those things, there's a fine line between genius and not so genius. That is painfully true, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is painfully true. I mean, Andy Reid was the talk of the town because of that play call because it worked. <laughs> and it was, if it gets picked off. <laughs> if it gets picked off, it goes the other way. You know, we're having an entirely different conversation. So a lot of times there's kind of a, kind of a fine line. Uh, there so um, 
Andy Reid's obviously he, he's, I I might give them the advantage when it comes to game plan just because he's he's so very good. But something clicked between Tommy and uh, and Arians about halfway through the year where they've they've really you know, kind of carved out a, a hybrid offense between what Arians wanted to do and what Tom wants to do, and it's it it's worked really really well at the back part of the season. So uh, I don't know. That's a that's a tough question. I don't I don't have a very good answer. I apologize. Well, it's a tough one to answer. But I, I just some people would probably rather have all that brain power in the quarterback who's on the field actually affecting plays, and Tom Brady. I don't think any quarterback I can think of, or probably any player, has anywhere near the storage of of knowledge about what to do when in a Super Bowl than that man. Well, let's not pretend like uh, Patrick Mahomes makes a bunch of bad decisions either. So. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Uh, and he certainly now has his Super Bowl experience. All right, we've got uh, the Not Sports Report coming up next. David Lockett, five. Stay tuned. Big Show, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5-1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. show 97.5 and 12.80 the zone gordon monson jake scott time for the not sports report brought to you by the lhm used car supermarket uh over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory check them out lhmusedcars.com gordon where are we going today uh i don't know we're going crazy today but l- let me okay there's there's two aspects to this story the first one is have you watched uh, WandaVision at all? No, no, I've, I've seen the you know online discussion. About? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. Uh, Alex is here. Do you it. like it? Okay, so it's. Uh, what do you like about it? Well, for starters, I'm a huge Marvel nerd, and so uh-huh. I, uh, you know, I've I've enjoyed those movies and things like that, and I've been keeping up with the show. Really enjoy it so far. Okay, I watched it for the first time last night, and it was episode four. So I walked into the middle of it, and uh, it, it looked rather intriguing. I mean, I, I thought it was sort of interesting. Uh, and but, but here's where it ties into today's story, Jake. Have you ever heard of the rapper Lil Uzi? No. <laughs> okay. Well, I know this will shock you, but apparently he likes spending money on a lot of extravagant things. Okay. But his latest investment was in a $24 million natural pink diamond that he now has had implanted into his forehead. Now, Alex, you want to explain to Jake the, 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 the relationship between the show and what the Luzi is doing? So Vision, one of the characters in that, he's a, uh, the, the term that they use in the in universe is synthesoid, basically an android human type person. He has one of the infinity stones placed in his forehead. Okay, I see. So so that's, it was, that's so, the inspiration for this, this r- is, Lil Uzi? I, 
they did, there was no mention of that in the story, but is that called the Mind Stone, Alex? Yeah, it's the Mind Stone that he has placed okay. there. So, so I, All right. I, I'm, how do you get a, a diamond, like, in, inserted into your head? I mean, how is that? What is it? it is, is it a surgery? I, I assume it is. I mean, yeah. This is a 10 to 11 carat diamond, and he was asked, uh, you know, uh, if he if he spent more on it, uh, I mean, how much it cost him, and he said, essentially did it cost more than what he spent on his cars and, and the rapper, he is a rapper said, yes, my Bugatti can't even pay for it. All my cars together plus home were less expensive than this particular investment, and uh, so I, I don't know, Jake. Uh, Somebody said, why didn't you just get a ring? And he responded, if I lose the ring, yeah, you will make fun of me more than putting it in my forehead. Uh, he says, and yes, I do have insurance on it. So it's huge. Have you seen the picture of it? It's, it's, I, I just it's looked a, it up now. I, I still, you know, value of it aside. I still just can't. How does that, how do you, how does that work? And, and wouldn't you be just, worried it? pop right out of there there's like there's not a whole lot of meat on the forehead you know like what's what's holding that in i i'm not a doctor uh but i assume there's a way you can attach it and wouldn't wouldn't you be see this would be my concern that i'd be you know doing something normal like going to the grocery store or something and somebody would see that on my forehead and try to steal it just rip it right out of your head well isn't that what the bad guy did the vision yeah, and in Spoiler Infinity War, alert. Thanos, uh, he's collecting all of the Infinity Stones, and he takes that out very forcefully. Yeah, I'd be worried about that. Like, somebody goes, is that a, is that a really valuable diamond sticking out of that dude's head? Because I'm going to go... Uh, <laughs> what, are go you going to grab a cup, some pliers and just tear it right out? I don't think that they would care. You know, I'd, I'd be That's worried cool. I'd be, like, hogtied and then them ripping diamonds out of my face. That sounds terrible. Maybe maybe he'll have a bodyguard with him everywhere he goes. Because there are stories I, out I, there, you know, about NBA players that wear the the bling to the to the bar or whatever and and get robbed. Uh, maybe it's some kind of piercing or something. I, I you know I I don't know. You know maybe maybe if somebody wanted it and they were aggressive and little Lucy felt somewhat uh, intimidated, he could he could just say, "Hold on a second, and just detach it himself." But, I mean, people do wear expensive watches and whatnot and jewelry of other kinds. Would you ever consider, do you care about any materialistic thing enough to have it attached to your body? No. You? No, I can't think of anything. No, no. I just, that was an unusual move on his part. And you're right, it is a bit of a security risk. Wait, but he does have it insured. He said, "24 million dollar diamond." Would you ever consider taking the hood or, hood ornament off of your Porsche and having like a brand of some sort? <laughs> what do you mean? Like what? What do you mean? What do I mean? You mean like have it branded into my onto my skin? Yeah, yeah. Like pull the hood ornament off, uh, get it red hot, and then and then brand that bad boy. 
That sounds like something out of Game of Thrones. Or isn't it? Didn't they uh, yeah. heat something up and brand? Well, yeah, brand, are branding's friend? a thing, though. That's that's the thing the kids are doing. Mike's shaking no. his head. It's no, not something my kids do. But the kids out there. It, it, I think branding yourself relates more closely to football than uh, I. I just remember kids in high school would get a hanger and like, like sear their number in in their arms, and I was just thinking like, I don't. I think that's a choice you're going to regret. I don't think you're going to like that in mm-hmm. a few years. No. Mike, would you would you consider having a diamond uh, implanted into your forehead? Uh, if that was the only way I could get a $24 million, di- $24 million diamond and then I had the choice to remove it and cash it out, absolutely. Yeah, put it in there. I'm going down yep. to the pawn shop. That's right. Next stop. <laughs> I'd like to see that on an episode of Pawn, Would you, pawn, pawn Shop Star. Wars or something. Okay, yeah, pawn okay. Stars. Let me. I've got an expert down the street that'll come in. <laughs> okay, go good. ahead, Gordon. What were you saying? Mike, w- would you be willing to do that if you had to have it implanted in your forehead and then someone had to tear it out? For that kind of dough? Well, I mean, yeah. am I being am I being put under for the removal of it, or do they? Well. Yeah, Jake brings a good point. Like, I mean, if if they're gonna rip it out, and that's the only way I get the twenty four million, like I bring I'm, it on. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> as long as there's no like structural, as long as it's not embedded in the skull, as long as it's like on the surface, I just see like I saw pictures of of him doing that, and it actually looks like just a a diamond pimple. So maybe you could actually just pop it and pop that thing out. I don't know. <laughs> it does look kind of like a diamond pimple. That's actually really well described. So, and there's, there's, it's a whole new level. You got white heads, black heads, and now you got like diamond heads. <laughs> okay, so uh, diamond head. That's nice. I like that. Okay, so one last question: Would you, would you swap out your your wedding ring for? Would there be a price? Like if I offered you ten thousand dollars for your wedding ring, would you be willing to give it up? Is he asking that to me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Wait a minute. What about all the sentimentality? What about? I mean, that, that, think about the sentimental meaning that that ring has. Uh, yeah, the, you did not place stipulations that I could not go and buy a thousand dollar wedding ring and cash out nine thousand. Like, I mean, if you're trying to like get me caught up, you know that you're not doing a good job. I'll take so the money. Ten would, grand's your ten wife, grand. Your wife would. Your wife would sign off on that. Oh, 100%. She's like, whew, I can get those cabinets in the kitchen finished. Yeah, see? <laughs> Be like, <laughs> sentimentality, right. mentality. Here's the thing with me, Gordon. You know this because you used to sit across from me in the studio, but, like, I don't have to wear a wedding, wedding ring to fight off all the ladies. My face does that for me. <laughs> Is that your excuse for not wearing a wedding ring? No. My excuse is it's uncomfortable, but, like, I have uh, you're my, wait, 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 Mike. You're one of those guys who doesn't wear a wedding ring. Uh, I am one of those guys, but I also was an electrician for a lot of years, and it was actually really dangerous That's to a be wearing yeah. a, a wedding ring. And back when I was <laughs> doing it and got out of the habit, uh, like there weren't those like silicone rings that people do now. And and my wife's like, well, and she she's like, uh, well, does that mean you don't love me? I'm like, of course it doesn't mean I don't love you. Like you know some. I'm I'm gonna stop. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you better idea. stop yeah, because you're already in trouble. Because don't you know that women can't stand it when married men don't wear wedding rings? Because then they come out. You know, they a guy as handsome as you are probably has Thank you know you, women who might might be interested. And how are they how are they supposed to know you're married? 
Uh, well, they'll never find out because I'm an introvert and I don't actually go out of my way to entertain conversations from, you know, women that aren't my wife. That aren't strange women. Yeah. And if it's a business, yeah, you know, setting where, you know, it's a, a, a vendor or somebody coming to talk to me, that, that that's not the conversation. I shut it down, Gordon. That's what I do. I shut it down. If there's any, <laughs> okay. any hint of uh, flirtation. Mike, don't play that. Smart. Smart. All right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about furnaces. What are some of the most common? And I'm sure I could ask Gordon this. Yeah, but actually, what are, yeah. should we ask Gordon? What are the most common parts that fail? He hasn't had a chance to Google it, so I'll take no, this one I, for you, Gordon, if you want. Uh, you, I think the, I think I think the uh, the compactor really is uh, an area that needs. Uh, and you know the the dual run thingamajig. Uh, the dual run capacitor is actually more common on the air conditioner, but your furnace does have a run capacitor uh, for the motor down in there. But to, to Jake's question, some of the most common parts that fail on your furnace, there is something called a flame sensor, and its only job is to detect when the when the gas ignites, is to detect that there's a flame and make sure that that flame stays lit. Um, and sometimes, since it sits right in the path of the flame, it can get buildup on it and it can get dirty. And if it gets too dirty, it does doesn't sense the flame and it, it'll shut the system down and so you can actually on our YouTube channel like I've got a video about cleaning a flame sensor that's something that's like pretty fr homeowner friendly thing to do uh, another thing that's common that people might be experiencing is something called uh, short cycling meaning they'll go to the thermostat and they'll change it from 68 to 70 degrees and the furnace will come on but it'll shut off before the thermostat actually gets to 70 and so it'll run for a minute and then it'll shut off and then it'll run for a minute and eventually it gets up to 70 but that's not normal when you set the thermostat to 70 degrees it should run until it gets to 70 degrees and that goes back to one of those issues we talked about the overheating there's usually an airflow issue there and that one you can change the air filter and open the vents around the house but that one's one if that doesn't fix it you probably want to get a technician out for that how long does uh, your furnace or typical furnace last? If the system is installed properly and maintained regularly, it's not out of the realm of possibility for the thing to last 20 to 25 years. But unfortunately, uh, it, it doesn't usually last that long for most people because we, we forget about the maintenance and, and uh, you know, we just get busy and you don't usually notice the ill effects of how bad the lack of maintenance is affecting it until you get to the end of the life. Because when it's when it's new, it's like a new car. Like you can kind of abuse that thing, but like years and years of abuse, it really you really start to feel it. So these uh, these furnace tune-ups that we're talking about today, kind of a a key to helping your furnace last that twenty to twenty-five years. Uh, absolutely, and it's it's even more important, I would say. Uh, you know, as your system gets older, because especially if you're trying to put off replacing the thing, it's the least expensive way to, uh, you know, put off having to replace it. And so if you want that thing to last, you have to take care of it. Well, you say least expensive, particularly today, because you're, you're saving people money. That's true. You've got a good reason to call tonight. Normally, uh, and, and here's the thing, even if we weren't having this deal for 29 bucks, $99 is a fraction of the price over the life of the furnace compared to actually having to replace it. Right. And so, but tonight, instead of paying 99 bucks to have this annual maintenance done that the manufacturers recommend, you're able to lock in a $70 savings and get it done for only 29 bucks. You would only have to, if you, if you saved 70 bucks for the next, you know, quadrillion years you could afford one of those diamonds in your head <laughs> all right take advantage <laughs> of this thing saving 70 bucks on a 34 point furnace tune-up it's a 99 dollars value 29 bucks but you got to call tonight got to get on the books tonight before six o'clock schedule that appointment 
801-443-7400. That's 801-443-7400. Any hour services. Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. David Locke joins us next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.